0: To the new year's news update i'm jp
1: i'm beno and that's a catchy title
0: <laughs> it is isn't it and it's 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 the one i'm going with um earlier on uh, uh, apologies if you saw any posts from me that came up it was all very sort of cross wires on on our end we we called an audible didn't we uh Pretty on much. on this yeah i
1: didn't yeah. expect to record today jp's leading the way on this one as i'm in uh I'm still in Belfast. Um, I'm trying to uh, make do with the tech that I've got. It wouldn't have held up for a live stream. It wasn't going to happen. Um, so, yeah, recordings, the, uh, the safe bet. But basically for patrons, what basically happened is, uh, and for anyone listening, is uh, we were planning, and we've always been planning with, uh, you know, asking for Apple being on Thursday. Thought um, we'd take the, the week off, you know, New Year's coming. We'll uh, do a nice leisurely spotlight on, uh, on Thursday following New Year's, you know, get Wrestle Kingdom in as well. And I think we both looked at the list of topics, didn't we? And realised oh, we can get this into one show anymore. Um, so yeah, we thought we'd uh, dive in with somewhere in the middle, with something between a JP Wednesday updates and a Benno Monday updates. Essentially, the news stuff today and the reviews on Thursday. Is that what we're saying, JP?
0: Yeah, basically. This is it's all newsy stuff today, and then like you said. Reviews and kind of bigger picture stuff on uh, on Thursday. That feels like the way forward. But the problem is, is we'd be rivaling the the ass grapple show in terms of runtime if we'd had to try to cover all of these stories because the world decided to go bonkers. Which is what happens if you put a, a, a last minute bloody pay per view on on December thirtieth, isn't it? Uh, kind of honestly, stitches guys, we, us up.
1: We got up. We, we realized like the day before New Year's Eve, we were all fucking seven in the morning, still watching Tony Khan do his presser. And it was like, like I was taking over our New Year's weekend like this, and now then yeah. it was New Year's Eve, then it was New Year's Day. I don't know what it's I don't know what day it is at this point, but yeah, I think we have to pull the emergency ripcord. Call this an, an emergency uh, news update to go through all the uh, all the big stuff. But uh, oh yeah, like, we'll, uh, we'll we said we'd try and keep this to a tight hour. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, just in case anyone's uh, you know, just to be clear, news update today. We will get the newsy stuff together, and yeah, if you're looking for our. World's End uh, full review um, and obviously Wrestle Kingdom review as well as Dynamite. We'll be doing all that on a special Thursday spotlight, And then hopefully back to normal next week, JP. That's the, uh, that's the plan, but we'll see what happens yes. now and then. CM Punk might punch somebody. You know, somebody <laughs> might get arrested. Who knows what might happen?
0: None of it's beyond the realms of possibility now, mate, is it? all? anything could happen at this stage in the game. I, I kind of expect all of that to happen. And I suppose leading into the news stories... <laughs> And there's been some very like late developments on this as well, but I think you know we have got like kind of like almost like a special story at the end because we wanted to um, you know talk Curtis Chapman. We're going to leave that towards the end, even if that is like the kind of like the most important story out of all, all of the ones that we've got there. But to start off with something that's been kind of dominating the discourse, certainly dominated lots of the talk all around World's End and that is the allegations regarding Chris Jericho um, that had uh, that had surfaced. This is, first of all, um, you know, it, just to, to say about it, this is, you know, there's been some update from it in terms of Nick Hausman potentially backtracking in the meantime from this as well. But the idea was that... Um, that it was uh, Nick Housman had hinted at some allegations against him, uh, drawn in a comparison to Harvey Weinstein, and it had been connected to former um, AEW talent Kylie Ray, who had left quite a while ago, and at a time when she had left was asked was, uh, you know, it wasn't down to anyone and she left kind of relatively amicably there as well. But, um, at the same time various kind of stories had kind of gone had kind of gone around uh, as well in in the meantime there in the, so it is a kind of like a story which then when it came to the world's end pay-per-view which we'll talk about in more detail on spotlight we'd seen the crowd reaction and the fact that the story had leaked and how the crowd reacted to chris jericho in and a very vocal element of the crowd not all of the crowd as we'll we'll get into when we talk about it as a as a show on there and this obviously then led to tony khan um having to kind of like address this policy um as well in his news conference in the meantime which i'm just going to get the story uh, up on here i'm not as slick as you mate on on this stuff on here um but one of the things he did say in the press conference as well is that um, he was he was asked about the safety of wrestlers behind the scenes. Um, this he did all this while wearing uh, a silly hat and some sunglasses, as you can see for video viewers on on the backdrop for what I've got on there as well. He did state that it's something the company is very serious about. He did bring up the policy uh, that AEW has in place, and if anything of the sort comes to the forefront, they do anything to prevent it in there. So it was kind of rather nondescript not really talking about it he said that if anything came to light to him he'd take it to the disciplinary committee as he has been doing and that um yeah that's the kind of that's everything at the moment for what we've got we don't know whether or not there is like cease and desists and the rest of it and everything else that's been kind of going out but yeah uh, a real shit show i think it's the only only way to describe this mate
1: yeah i think the the biggest element of the news story for me is it's that press conference. Like, I can't believe I was sat there at seven in the morning on New Year's Eve itself looking at Tony Khan in a pair of sunglasses with a silly hat on trying to answer a serious question about ostensibly, you know, allegations of sexual misconduct. Like, the fact that it took, like, the AW's head of PR had to come up to Tony Khan and take the sunglasses and the silly hat off his head, so that he could. And this was after he'd answered the question. By the way, he still didn't have like the nows to go. You know what, Tony storm has gone now. We've moved on to another interview. I should maybe take this off. Like that sums this entire story up. Like that. That. That is the level of seriousness with with, with it, which Tony Khan has taken the entire thing. Like the, you know, the allegations themselves are vague. You know. And we are we are relying on, you know, Nick Houseman's, you know, talk and tweets and you know, offhand comments, which is I agree with everybody. Not the ideal way for a news story like this to break. You know, not no. the most professional way to deal with things. Not I don't think I don't think uh, Charlie feels strongly about this. I don't yeah, think he does very,
0: very strongly.
1: <laughs> Nick Nick Houseman is like you know a pure actor in any way. Um, I do think there's an element of, you know, he wanted to win this stupid online conversation that he's having with Chris Jericho, which, by the way, also started on Christmas Eve with Chris Jericho drunk tweeting and all of the stuff with Stephen P. Mm. And, mm. P. and stuff like that. Like, that's the reason this all came out. And that is wrong. But I do think that element of the story has definitely been getting too much attention. And Nick Houseman almost became the story for a lot of people when it was like, I know we're only talking about, you know, heart emojis, but the fact that Kyle Gray seemingly is endorsing this story and seemingly is, you know, making it clear on multiple different tweets that, you know, he seems happy for this story to be out there tells you something. You know, it might make you want to read between the lines of, you know, what her thoughts are or, you know, who Nick will might be talking to or where this story might be coming from. Like, there is a genuine news story under it. You know, there is something Mm. there. Yeah, Tony Khan trying to yeah, trying to play this off and trying to you know, talk about it as you know unsubstantiated reports and try and filibuster about how you know they're the safest company in the world, which feels that felt very Trumpian. You know, with are mm. with the, with the best at safety. Like, what does that what does that even mean, mate? Like, you know, you were saying a couple of months ago that you were feared for your life from CM punk backstage. You know, that doesn't answer the question. But but you know, I think the, the question's being asked was massively important the fact that they were asked made this a bigger news story it put the pressure on tony khan he made himself look stupid with the hat and the glasses but at least we got something like i would i would honestly commend the couple of members of the press who had the bollocks to ask this question because it has made the news story bigger it's made the independent pick it up it's made tony khan have to answer even if he hasn't answered and by the way in being completely completely refusing to say yes or no is a new story in itself because if he could just say there was an investigation and chris jericho was cleared then he would say it or if or if he could say there was no investigation because there was no need need for one he could just say it the fact that he's staying on the fence and refusing to say it i think that says everything in this case
0: yeah i'm I'm in complete agreement with you there it is like first of all you have to ask the question because if you don't ask the question is why are we having press conferences? Because this is kind of the thing where, you know, there's not many chances for people to kind of hold his feet to the fire, which he should be, he should be held to a high set of standards. That's something that doesn't happen a lot within wrestling and needs to happen a lot more. And, you know, when I, I, my initial kind of like, I suppose, it was one of the things that when this story kind of ended up developing I wondered, like I was like, well, how seriously are they going to be taking this? And then when I saw the image the next morning after the like him in the press conference, it was like, right, okay, this is how seriously it's going to be taken. And it suggests that just the whole tone and tenor of these media scrums are just a gigantic waste of time. Um, that's really what I kind of took from it. It is, don't get me wrong, there is things on this where, you know, the argument of – you know, the lack of kind of hard evidence and whatnot, but that hasn't stopped stories being kind of reported and investigated saying, you know, people saying that there are rumours and the rest of it, you know, these are things that as a press, you want them to ask the question. And things that about Chris Jericho as a person and his personality and the way he behaves generally, I think there are things about that, that, you know, should be questioned and should be kind of, should be kind of brought up with this where it goes from here, I don't know. Like that's what my fear for the for this and where this goes is, is. this if this is a story that's getting buried, then you can't go claiming to be like the safest company as well. And this also is not a time to try and take wins. Like you answer this question in a deadly serious way, even if he's giving his kind of non-answer answers. And that's the thing that I don't really understand with him is why, you know, it, it, he won't he doesn't seem to take any of like any of this kind of like almost like he didn't take it with any degree of seriousness, which is the thing that really bothered me by the end of it as well with the image he says as his baby's kicking off here in the background.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, it's Tony Khan all over. It's these presses all over. Like I was watching it going, like, go and like, again, God bless the people who did ask the question or mm. you know, the people who did, who sat there and, Followed up on the question with nonsense about you know what would you as a kid think if you as a you know now that you're a Booker Tony oh why are you so great those types of questions those people should be embarrassed and there are people who really did ask legitimate questions but it did make me question like the existence of these things because if he's not going to be able to be forthright anymore and if it's going to be a case of you know the the people who were there aren't going to take it seriously and aren't going to ask mm-hmm. questions what's the point in it? Like he would probably be better yeah. off getting rid of these things at this point. But they have they're there supposedly for a reason. We're unclear on what that reason is. You know, that does the other embarrassing thing, the fact that he sat there while, you know, Samoa Joe's talking in Kfabe and while, you know, Tony Storm's talking in Kfabe, and there's this massive elephant in the room that people want real answers for. Like, I think he probably would have got more respect from me if he'd have just dealt with it up front. But that's the situation we're in with it. And I just I'm just glad that. It has become more of a story because I I can't help I said this on our Discord, mm. it can't help but remind me of speaking out. And I think there's a real dividing line yes. over the last week on this. And and you're right, you know, a lot of it does get into you know people trying to win battles on on X slash Twitter, which is kind of how this started, and back and forth and arguing, and everything becomes AEW versus WWE, and everything becomes about you know people's personal gripes with with either side, but you know, it reminds me of that side of the argument reminds me of speaking out in that like feel mm. like when we were hearing whispers of stories you know we don't have a lot of detail on this but there were definitely times where we were hear whispers about certain wrestlers and we were as guilty as anybody we get defensive and be like well we did you the, the sto- there's no there's no story there you know there's we, if you're not willing to say the detail then you know why are we even bothering thinking about this and it was it's almost like we buried our heads in the sand as like a collective of, of like British wrestling fans because it was the path of least resistance. It was easier for us to continue on with the hobby that we liked and just pretend this stuff wasn't happening until we couldn't pretend anymore. And if, if we're gonna learn any lesson from that, it's that when you do see this kind of smoke, there is almost always a fire underneath it. And you know, there might be a reason. Why, whatever you think of him, Nick Houseman can only say so much. There might be a reason why Sean Ross Sapp can only say so much or isn't really saying anything at all with this. Because, you know, if if multiple people have came to them with similar allegations, you know, those multiple people might not be able to say it publicly. Or if it's one person, mm. that person might not want certain details out there but there definitely seems to be smoke to this. And I just think while it, it will be convenient for us all to be like, and I've seen it from, it's mainly the Americans, not having another go at the end, but it's very much that attitude of like, well, if there's a crime there, somebody should go to the police, and that's it. Black and white, no one's been to the police, so let us carry on with our wrestling. And when that was happening and my heart was sinking, I was thinking, you know what, this is going to go away, like a lot of the stuff in Brit Rez pre-speaking out did. But instead, that live crowd showed you this isn't going away that live crowd, you know, from, maybe there's a few people singing the song, but by the end of the, su- the, the match, you could see it written all over Jericho's face. You know, the boos were as loud as anything and it was unavoidable to the point that it also came up in this press conference and this is going to follow them around now unless there is some kind of declaration that there was previously an investigation or some kind of declaration that there's going to be an investigation going forward. It's going to keep following them around. It's going to keep following Jericho around and it's going to keep fo- following Tony Khan around. So like, can dodge the question all he wants, but all he's doing is kicking it up the road. Um, and hopefully, you know, Nick Houseman maybe walking back a few of his words isn't going to let this sto- story die. And hopefully, people continue to be vocal about it and we, we get some answers because that's what is needed at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: also think as well that wrestling hasn't earned the right for people to kind of behave in a way to act that there isn't any smoke to fires in this world. Like, you, that, you know, the idea of proper processes. And investigations and the like are fine, but there's also, there's never been that kind of clarity from wrestling as we saw during speaking out. So there is an element of, you know, frankly, now nah, we've been bitten on this before and we've seen what people try to do and they tried to make stories go away and because it was convenient to them. And I think this time round for like AEW, I have always managed to kind of have a, a degree of kind of like a moral superiority about, about quite a lot of things to go, actually you know, that what are your process and to be kind of really questioned in a way which they're not and have Tony Khan questioned, which, you know,
1: saying you can go to this committee and what Brian Danielson can make a call on this is not an answer No, to to, to something as serious, something as serious as this, to something that is bleeding into the shows, to something that is, you know, being reported on the independent. If you are going to take that moral high ground and you are going to place yourself as as that company, then, you know, be transparent, be open, tell us what's happening with this, because otherwise it's going to continue to follow them.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and moving on very, very briefly from this, and I I imagine there's going to be lots more about this that we're going to end up speaking about, possibly as soon as as Thursday. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on Dynamite as well. I mean, there was a a couple of other notes, which leads into another story from um, from some of the, the Presser as well, which was, um, he'd mentioned, you know, sort of paying, like sort of say, giving his farewells to QT Marshall and um, Raphael Morphy, who've kind of, you know, two of the more backstage figures who've moved back. But he did also say regarding Andrade El Idolo that he said that his contract is up and as it stands, he doesn't see him renewing his contract. Now, he didn't appear on Raw unless I massively missed something on there as well. He he, he um, did manage to squeeze in his match um, just before New Year in CMLL against Volador Junior at Arena Mexico as well. I think in front of like 16,000 he wrestled in a match I do really want to see on here. Um, there were reports that it wasn't as amicable as what Tony Khan had kind of made out, that in fact there was like a kind of, you know, quite a... a, a, a fair degree of disagreements there as well in the meantime as well but um that's one of the the kind of stories as well and i suppose in some way to try and deal with it in a in a kind of uh, uh, a kind of group from this what has been replaced with um is stories about mercedes monet reportedly being in talks with AEW as well and this is something that really has taken on quite a lot of steam in particularly in the last couple of days. This was from Fightful Select as well, apologies because I'm getting all the 411 nonsense that comes up on here. I, I've got crypto ads on here, mate, and I've never looked at crypto in my life other than a Bitcoin advert, a Bitcoin documentary that's on Netflix in the minute on here. She was apparently in talks with WWE, but then it was reported that it would fallen through due to like kind of um, what she wanted financially and what she didn't get. Now, there's various kind of takes on that about whether or not she was offered as much as Charlotte Flair, who recently re- re-signed a contract there as well. Um, it is expected that she will sign with AEW. No one is going to be confirming this. Wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about her appearance on um, the uh, tomorrow's edition of uh, Dynamite as well on here. Um one source has said that they'd heard M- Monet and AW were close on terms, but added it's never official until it's official. But also, as a, another point to, to raise from all of this, um, Mercedes-Monet has trademarked a whole load of Monet-related puns, which would suggest that that's something that's going to be very much happening uh, in the near future.
1: God bless her, playing both sides. That's the way things should be, you know, in in the world right now, um, and I think that that goes both ways. You know, with the other story, obviously, Andrade. Yeah, he wasn't on Raw, but I think that I think a lot of that was purely just Tony Khan taking the wind out of the sails because I think WWE probably thought it would be really it would be a really cool thing to do having you know uh, on the AWP on the Saturday and then Raw on Monday, which I hear people describe as being um, like Rick Rude. No, that'd be like Lex Luger. Um, I think that's what, it, what what Andrade would be in this uh, modern day mm. uh, wrestling war. But like that's what happens when you've got two relatively healthy companies that are big. People can play them off each other and yeah. you know, maybe more power to them. Like if I'm actually I'm shocked more than anything that, that the DB have not been willing to meet Mercedes slash Sassabanks price. I think if I was them, I think I would. Um I think the Andrade story is another one where it's like, you know, if you're triple H, why wouldn't you do that? Well, wouldn't you take the easy win? You want your company to be the one that's the hot company that everyone's jumping ship to go to rather than the story being the other way around which it kind of was for the fair few years of uh, aw's existence and mercedes is an example of it swinging the other way i suppose there's only even a billion dollar companies so much money to go around and so much budget you can you can waste or, or spend i suppose on an individual talent but i am surprised i i'm still holding that there's so much there's a lot of you know reporting on this and i believe sean rassab you know i think he's he's tied himself to the mast absolutely on this and is saying, categorically, Mercedes is going to the AW side, but I'm leaving that percentage of doubt because I find it hard to believe that WWE would allow themselves to lose on this, but if they don't an AW get in, she's on Dynamite on Wednesday and we're talking about it on Thursday and we talk talk Dynamite, like, as Robert said on our Discord, maybe she can drag Tony Khan kicking and screaming into having a, a women's division of consequence maybe, you know, dare I say, JP we might get two women's division segments on it on a given show, and it might be, you know, a women's division <laughs> that isn't there for tokenism, it's one that's earned it, because she would be not just one or two levels, I would say three levels above pretty much anybody else in that division, outside of maybe Tony Storm, if anything, I think they'll struggle for people to put against her, um, and they'll struggle for people to meet it at that high star power level, and um, I'd almost worry that she gets put into the meat grinder with the rest of all the, all, all the other women who've come in to save the AW Women's Division and then very shortly um, get their star power lessons. I've got faith that she could stand above that and, uh, and still hang at at a top level. But, yeah, it's it's hard to say other than Tony Storm where she slots in and how, you know, I suppose Diona Parato is the other rumour, isn't it, that she's coming into the, uh, the Women's Division. So, you know, if they maybe can start loading up with people like that. Then that might make the difference. But, yeah, it surprises me. But, yeah, the... God bless her. Money talks and if they're offering up the bigger, fatter contract, then yeah, she's played the blinder.
0: Yeah, and if they're offering her that bigger, fat contract, I mean, there have been various figures of kind of like, I heard six million, which I'm assuming is probably going to be a couple of million for a three-year deal. Then if you're putting that level of investment in, you're kind of forcing your hand in terms of making sure that she gets the proper TV time and she gets the proper push and is treated as a big, big star. And like you say, there isn't anyone else. And we've seen this in terms of like difference makers and, and, and the rest. I mean, we, this is going back to kind of like you know, some point I'm raised on the crappies about how the outcast kind of took away the women's division for so much of 2023, the outcast and originals feud. And it was just a gigantic waste of time that in some ways, a Mercedes Monet coming in and just effectively taking over the division. I'm fine with, I don't think that degree of kind of, well, no, we need to, you know, we need to work through trying to, how is Tony Storm going to fit into the mix? Tony Storm is not going to be a Mercedes Monet. I would confidently predict that and won't mean as much. And like I say, it's just the optics from WWE I'm really surprised at. Just the idea of bringing her in, Phil, like there's a wave of momentum that WWE have had in 2023. And what they've managed to do and what they've done so well is make the people who are coming in, like make them just feel like something, feel bigger and make AEW feel small in the meantime, as they're selling out shows and AEW are struggling to get like two and a half thousand for a television taping. You know, you look, you look at this and you think, okay, there's a, like someone like Mercedes Monet who appeared at all in to just have a, that's her only appearance in AEW as someone who's in the crowd at Wembley who couldn't go anywhere near, who couldn't be even filmed standing up because she couldn't stand up. She had a big moon boot on her bloody leg, you know, Instead, it's like this is something that you would say. Being on the optimistic side, you hope it kind of forces it forces AEW's hand for actually we need to take the women's division seriously. And regardless of, sorry,
1: no, no, go finish your no No, um,
0: and like reg- I was just gonna, I was gonna go on to kind of Andrade stuff, really. So yeah. if you want oh, yeah.
1: but- to, for me, the newsworthy really one, you know, yeah and obviously Andrade we'll see where he lands hopefully it's on NXT tonight um, and he gets put back there he's a former NXT champion not a former uh, main roster champion one of which we can uh, oh. two of which we can talk about this in a minute Dragon yeah. Lee
0: can't make it can he
1: so <laughs> the biggest story is what Tony Khan didn't say because it was quite interesting that like he spent a lot of time big up QT you know he brought up that Raphael Murphy, um, and he brought up Cutie Marshall and was glowing about you know the door is open for QT Marshall to ever come back. He did eventually talk about um, Mrs. Uh, is it Mrs. Nick Jackson or Matt Jackson? Um,
0: Dana, Massey. Jack-
1: Dana Massey. Dana did- Massey talked a lot about hair. Did- didn't talk a lot about hair until towards the end of the presser when it was almost like oh oh and by the way yeah she's leaving too and uh, that's very sad. But she didn't get the upfront speech that everybody else got. That maybe uh, tell you something. Uh, but yeah, he did say Cutie Marshall will be a uh, you know, we'll land on his feet wherever he goes, whether it'll be, a, uh, you know, whether he'll still be saying that if it does end up being WWE or if he ends up in MLW and it revitalises that, well, who knows? But, yeah, that one was uh, definitely very interesting.
0: It is, isn't it? It's fascinating for that. I mean, I I, I think with an Andrade is... Andrade should be... I, I Just to get go, to go, the point I was going to raise regarding him is he should have kind of be a cautionary tale rather in the way that Keith Lee is. And, again, we we ourselves got excited about it because we could see what potentially you could do with wrestlers like this, who haven't been ever been given that kind of level of push in WWE and were never likely to get that level of push that in fact, there's a reason why these guys are kind of mid card that when it comes to it, when push comes to shove, they're not the stars that we think they are maybe in our heads, they could be that kind of level of star, but the reality was, yeah, he could have some good matches But he was never involved in, I can't think of a single meaningful storyline that Andrade was involved in, in his time in AEW. And he disappeared for long periods of time because he clearly wasn't happy there. So in, in many ways, cut loose. There's no reason to have him. Him, He won't be missed from AEW. You won't think there's a big Andrade-shaped hole from AEW TV because he isn't there. If anything, if you're going to go, you'd hope that any effort for that just goes into Roosh. In that case, you might, you've got under a long-term contract and might just be worth the investment in it. Now, I have thoughts on Roos that I've always made kind of clear of not necessarily being like the kind of most reliable of people necessarily and somebody who does march to the beat of his own drum, but Andrade going wasn't something I felt sad about at all. It was just like it was worth getting him. It was worth trying him. But he was never going to be like. It just turns out he was never going to be the kind of star that people potentially thought he could be.
1: Yeah. So yeah. The, the other like depart. Well, no, it's not a departure. It's not real. But like the MJF story is another one we should probably talk about mm. here. Like obviously we're going to save the the four worlds end review for uh, for spotlight, and you can look forward to most likely me and JP ripping the entire fucking shenanigans uh Oh apart, yeah. Um, with Adam Cole, and you know I, I should be celebrating the Samoa Joe is. Uh, is AEW World Champion? To be honest, I should be celebrating that. So for some, how did Samojo end up in London this weekend? Like he's, he's he's he was in London last night for the for the for last for the New Year's Eve celebrations. Like I was like, what is what? going on? How did he get there in time from Long Island? I'm so confused. And uh, did he take the belt with him? Did he check it in? And uh, did he just leave the presser and immediately go to like the airport? I don't know how he did it, but he's managed to be in uh, in two places at once. As a uh, as Joe, and that should be the headline. Um, but obviously, I think we're going to spend most of our time analyzing uh, the reveal of the, uh, you know, the devil. Because you know, if you're, if you're Adam Cole and you've been uh, buying your time for this story, then obviously the time to pull the trigger was uh, after a match that MJF has already lost, and not when you're in the main event of Wembley or you know any other points in this terrible mm. story. I'm sure they're going to try and clear up on a uh, dynamite. But the other story is they're trying to work us with all these departures and stuff because they have taken MJF off of the um, AEW roster page. Um, and they are trying to, I suppose, you know, lean into that uh, bid and board of twenty twenty four stuff. Something we haven't had a chance to talk about is MJF's horrendous article that he re- wrote. That it was, you know, was as mixed up and all over the places, pretty much all his booking. It was a great look inside the uh, the mind of the manners. There were nuggets of good stuff in there, nuggets of crazy stuff, and just generally a jumbled mess, which kind of sums up as a. Uh, as well title run but yeah the latest update isn't it that he's going to be uh, he's out injured and he's going to be off tv for the time being um and i guess they're going to use that as an opportunity to pretend he's uh he's gone from the company i don't even think i'll give it a half percent chance of uh of being true um at this point that he's uh that he's gone but yeah, I'm guessing, you know, the, the injury stuff is the reason why, why Joe won the title. As you've got on the screen there, Dave Meltzer saying that this was always the plan and um, that Samoa Joe was going to be uh, going to be walking out at world's end and, you know, it's the other stuff that was uh, moved up. But that was always going to be the way. Um, I guess the kayfabe in the real life is true. The physical stuff has got the, the best of him. What he wrote in that article, at least that element of it, is true and yeah. um To be honest, I'm quite happy with it. Him off TV for the next while and uh, Samoa Joe as world champion. Um, You know, might be a few years too late for Joe, but I'll take it over the, this MJF shit and maybe we get a holiday from it all until he's uh, he's fit enough to uh, to come back and uh, and do the big reveal that he is not in fact uh, going to be going to the WWE.
0: I think it's it's funny. Like I mean, in terms of the time scale that's been put out there, I know the the report of. of- got up here from wrestling inc is saying somewhere between four to six months i'm all right with that i think it's just been an overexposure and this changing character hasn't really worked certainly it hasn't worked for me so i think for him to be away for that length of time i'm like perfectly fine with that in the meantime you know it it effectively means he'd miss revolution he'd probably miss double or nothing and i think the samoa joe storyline for me like kind of makes it just a bit makes that world title picture a bit more interesting immediately even if i have issues with it and i have issues with the way that they've gotten to it at least it feels like okay there's a whole you've got a chance of a real reset around your world title division as opposed to what it was becoming which was just the what it was which was the mjf show um in there as well and yeah the the contract stuff he signed like that is just an open secret at, at this point he's not He's he's not gone anywhere. They wouldn't have gone this far with him in in this push and everything else if he wasn't if he hadn't signed that contract there as well. So yeah, it, I I find like that's just like a kind of like a, a nonsense story. I mean, and it's kind of setting up dynamite as, as feeling much more like a big reset show than perhaps like it's really a reset show they kind of needed to move away from this devil storyline, even if we have the stable there running roughshod and, and the rest of it. And even if we wonder how Samoa Joe fits into there as well, but yeah, it's almost like when I heard the MJF being taken off the roster page, it's just like, okay, all right, you're, you're doing a work. That's just how these things operate. Um, It's not stuff that I'm particularly excited by as well, but um, somebody, somebody who has really gone though, um, and it's, it's a good friend of all of ours, particularly if you're fond of ridiculous amounts of uh, cross-cutting, and that's Kevin Dunn. Okay. Nick Khan confirmed that he has departed WWE um, and he's left his uh, role as executive producer and chief of global television distribution that's a fancy title in there as well um, there was a memo that was circulated from Nick Khan that alerted staff to his departure um, after 40 plus years of helping build WWE and hands down the best production and media unit in the entire sports and entertainments business Kevin Dunn will be leaving our company as of today um And this is someone who was, you know, their pre-WrestleMania one, and we're talking about like the build to WrestleMania forty for God's sakes, just to give you like kind of an indication time-wise there as well, and how important he was. This is the very much like kind of Vince's second in command, who had kind of total run of uh, the television side of things there. Apparently, this has been something that's been in the works for a little while, um, and. The departure for it was laid there, and I think very much the TKO, um, the TKO acquisition meant that there was going to be the merger. One of the mergers that was spoken about was television production, and so it, if you're asking Triple H as well as they're kind of like their head of wrestling, if you want to think of it, as is, is that kind of figure in the role, I'm assuming he was. You know, uh, there's been a lot of times where he's thought. You know, they needed to change up how their television looked. He got it as much as anyone else. And it felt like Kevin Dunn was very much kind of behind the times and very much like kind of viewed wrestling in the way that Vince did in the sense that he hated wrestling as well. So it's felt like the last couple of months, ever since that merger has happened, this hasn't really come across as a surprise to the to the majority of, uh, to well, to all of us.
1: Long time coming. Like, it's funny because it's like, it's one of those jobs where, I mean, I suppose, you know, we know, you know, DUDE's production has been fucking rotten. Um, again, like most of their products for the best part of two decades. Um, and they're all like, Kevin not tropes that have just become wrestling tropes that you sometimes see aw copy and you see impact copy and you just see it's just part of ww tv you know from the invisible camera backstage to you know to work in the hard cam which i know to you know next story we're going to be talking about the rock the rock didn't do um i'm sure mm-hmm. that wasn't uh, on purpose but uh let's have more of that you know even the fact that raw this week open you know we did end up watching it live last night that um you know the open the cold open with the commentators in the ring is like There's all those little things like that that Kevin Dunn wouldn't have had on his TV show in a million years. It's just another old dinosaur gone. And I don't see this as anything but good news. You know, obviously there's been the news stories over the years of, you know, he didn't like certain female talent because of physical reasons, or he didn't like Becky Lynch because of her accent and all these fucking outdated opinions. Like a lot of the stuff that Vince was a villain for, I think, you know, Kevin Dunn was just as bad um, in a lot of ways and was probably responsible for a lot of the negatives behind the scenes that we don't know but like he is really other than what Bruce Pritchard Like the last surviving dinosaur. Like this is nothing but positive news if you if you are a backer of this Triple H regime. It's another person out the way. Like these stories have been going on since since the NXT days when, like you mentioned there, Triple H was you know had Jeremy Borash and was putting all his different production you know people in place and his own writers and his all of that stuff was with the idea that one day you know we take over and it was always the back you know the rumour mongering that him and Stephanie really didn't like Bruce Bruce Pritchard. really, really didn't like Kevin Dunn, and that as soon as Triple H got power, he'd be gone, and obviously we had a lot of back and forth, and it looked like it was never going to happen, but now that we're here, this was prob- probably inevitable. If anything, it's a surprise it's uh, taken mm-hmm. this long. Uh, obviously, they're giving him the-, the pat on the back, and Nick Khan's you know, saying everything publicly about you know what a great servant he was for Duke over the years, but this feels like very much one of those stories that tells you where the power lies now, and the power lies purely with Nick Khan and Paul Levesque, and you know, it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke, and it couldn't have happened sooner. Um, yeah, I, I seen This is a, nothing but a gigantic positive for for going forward, for the for the production, and just for showing that no, really, this is a new WWE. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think as well like this is what's interesting is the person who was always built up as his number two, as uh, someone who could take in an inter in Mike manstrey he's in AW. yeah, and so like it. it but they're not going to be promoting from within because I said before, this feels like they're going to be merging those TV and production crews. So you, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone from UFC ending up stepping into the mix. You know, yeah. it'll be people from that side side of it as well, and, and and that will then in turn create a very different look. And I think a lot of fans have had it drilled into the head about this is how wrestling should be presented. And we've gotten used to the ridiculous levels of editing and things like that, and the kind of focus on the sizzle and not the steak. Yeah.
1: You know, it's like, it's and, like the hard thing. It's it's a massive bugbear for me. Yeah, people, people like that. I was getting trained that when I was starting to wrestle. You wrestlers get trained that work a hard camp. No, it's the cameraman's job to follow you. This was a yeah. real sport. Why would you hit that move in exactly the same way, facing the same way every single time? Like, no, make the camera follow you. Like, there's gonna be loads of those little things that hopefully are gonna get worked out now, now that he's gone. It's just that it's that possibility, that opportunity for change and for, for innovation. Yeah. We haven't had it for years. Um and yeah, it can it can only be massively good. Well, something else that might
0: be massively good, mate. The rock returns to wwe raw and said he wants to sit at the head of the table um this is the only bit of raw that i saw obviously i know you you just said a moment ago you you watched it on there he appeared on raw after what was actually quite initially a quite a funny troll job by saying the former wwe champion coming out and out came jinder mahal um for but then it dragged on interminably um but he did lay him out eventually after a kind of a back and forth with a rock bottom and a people's elbow and he told the crowd in san diego he was hungry and was going to eat and he asked where he should sit in a booth at a bar or at the head of the table alluding to roman reigns and the crowd reacted reacted strongly as he ended the segment here hi oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> i take it all back like oh this was so bad and it was bad in a way that like somehow it was still good because it's the rock. Like he still pulled it off, don't get me wrong. Like and, and all we're gonna talk about is that line at the end because that's all that really mattered. But he sent yeah. twenty two minutes. Like if MJF was doing this, we'd be ripping them apart. It was very in fact, it was very MJF you've stealing MJF's material, getting like one part of the crowd to sing and the other part of the crowd to uh, to sing something else. If it was not Dwayne Johnson, like honestly, uh he wouldn't have got away with this. Dwayne Johnson, who by the way, is just he's a desperate man right now. It shouldn't shock you that he's coming back. He's trying to go viral with, like, have you seen that, that story where he keeps um, keeps doing an Instagram post about, oh, I had In-N-Out Burger for the first time? It's fantastic. Three times he's done that. Three different times he's tried to make that same claim. Like, he's he's forgotten, like, how to be a human being. He's just pure PR. Like, why would you work a story about having In-N-Out Burger for the first time? Three different times, Dwayne. Like, you're that desperate to, to hit the news cycle at this point. Um, he's just fucking like it's no wonder he's back. Um, he feels like a very different uh, beast than he did. I think you know, ten year, ten years ago, or eighteen years ago, when he uh, when he first made his uh, his big return, but he's still the rock, isn't he? At the end of the day, and mm. yeah, that's, that's the thing. I think the, the way he did it was really good. I enjoyed, um, uh, you know, Jinder Mahal is Jinder Mahal. So like, you know, getting the opportunities, but like, be the guy guy who gets squashed by Rock is as good as his year is gonna get. So, like, I'm sure he's got no problem with... uh, with Oh, he's
0: peaked in 2024, mate. That's it. He's done.
1: Now, I will say, I was just celebrating Kevin Dunn being gone and, obviously, the wonderful, uh, progressive uh, UFC production team uh, coming through. Um, But, like, there was a bit of jingoism in this and there was a fair amount of, uh, you know, America bad um, to it that definitely felt like it was something from a bygone era, but... You, you're gonna forgive it when it's The Rock, isn't it? And it was still fucking amazing. The reaction and all it leads you to believe is that they're doing this Roman Reigns match, and I can't wait to chat this one with Matthew because, like, mm. I I don't buy that it's going to be Elimination Chamber Roman and The Rock. I think people are hanging on to that and being hopeful because it's Australia and it's a big, you know, fucking tens of what is it like seventy thousand seats or whatever it is. Like it's yeah. gigantic. Like it's a stadium show. And there was all those stories about you know them wanting the rock, but at the same time it's in Australia, like and you know the, what what time's the main event going to be hitting the ring? I think I read it's like five a.m. like the five or six a.m. The show's going to start at two or three a.m. US time. They're not like us, JP. The Americans don't stay up. Like it'd be great for us. It'd be like getting up early for a New Japan show um, on an early morning. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. It's like an early morning WWE pay per view. But I can I don't. There's no way that, that they're going to give The Rock away on that, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the the Australian Tourism Board money, you know, speaks more than anything, and that's what's happening. But to me, this says nothing other than WrestleMania match, and obviously that has knock-on effects for uh, for my boy Cody.
0: I think that's it. And this is where the lay... What is the lay of the land going to actually be? (coughs) Pardon me. You know... What what are we gonna the idea of you they don't need him in Australia for one because as far as I'm aware ticket sales are around fifty thousand. So they'll be selling that out with a bit of a push. And also, I think those fans would prefer to see stuff that's properly in canon. This feels like this feels like a very what would we do in Saudi type move. But also, yeah, it suggests mania. That was my first thought on this, and then it's like, well, how what's the knock-on effect to Cody? Where do we go here? You know, for finishing the story um, to steal a line it's from Matty.
1: It's fucking a year later, JP. And fucking, mm. like, I was going to say, if this runs, Roman Reigns is going to be wrestling the rock over who's the head of the table. That doesn't need the belt either. Like, what are we doing? No. Like, is, I, I just don't. Me and Matty can have a debate, but it's not a debate anymore. It's logic. It's logic and sense versus I like Roman Reigns. There is no argument. I know he's not here to defend himself. So apologies, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> if they if they do Roman Rock at WrestleMania instead of Cody, there is no arguing for Roman Reigns having been champion this entire year. He didn't need it for the Jiu So match. He didn't need it for the Bloodline Civil War because we done without the fucking two other title matches that he had in this calendar year. If it all after all that, it doesn't get paid off with a Cody win at WrestleMania, like. I think Matty's going to have to take a gigantic L. Uh, I'm sure he won't because, again, I like Roman Reigns and he wants to see Roman Reigns versus The Rock, I'm sure, at a a WrestleMania. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) that that would be... They're going off a cliff, if if we go with that. I've just yeah. got to hope, and I've got to join those deniers. I've got to hope it's either an Elimination Chamber thing. I've got to hope maybe it's a two-day WrestleMania thing. Maybe if you want to have some logic to this, maybe you could do, as we've talked about before, rock and Roman on night one. Maybe that means you do the match I'm always after, Cena and, and Cody on night one, and the winners face each other on night two. But I don't know, even if this is a Triple H WB and Cody is Triple H's boy, the Rock is still The Rock. And that is a WrestleMania match, Roman and The Rock. And again, the problem won't be, I can understand the decision to go with it this year as much as it pains me, but it just underlines how bad a decision it was to not it, get Cody to last
0: year. Yeah. And it, do you know the other thing it does, like the one bit of praise we've had really for WWE is it's a level of consistency. Consistency in the booking and kind of following through on things within 2023. Yeah, so, really? And this balls it up. It feels like, oh, we can do this, so we're going to do this. And to hell what the knock-on effect is for everything else. Because it will take it takes away from other things as well. And, yeah, it, it's like if they throw an Austin match into the mix. Like, all of a sudden, that would kind of end up overshadowing the other stories that you've been wanting to tell to people as well. And, you know, maybe you want to get all your ducks in a row and you just want to throw stuff out there and try and do this for whenever the, you know, to get, you know, whenever the deal with Peacock, which I can't even believe I'm saying this, is isn't that far away from coming up for like kind of negotiations and stuff in terms of like where does their library go? That perhaps that's something that they want want to do as well. But it, it just feels to me like it 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 complicates things rather than sorts things out. And it just it's it's using the rock for the sake of using the rock. Whereas, like you say, if they put the belt on Cody last year, this is perfect for WrestleMania 40. This is perfect. Okay. If you do Cody, CM Punk on one side and one night, and then you have Rock and Roman on the other, and you go, actually, that's pretty shit hot, yeah.
1: isn't it? The idea that they've got these options, that's the positive side of the story. Like, we're in a WWE now where there's The Rock, CM Punk, there's Cody Rhodes. You know, you want to go further, you know, there's Roman Reigns. You want to go further down the line, there's LA Knight. There's, you know, Randy Orton's relatively hot right now. Even Jey Uso is hot. Sami Zayn is hot. Like, it's like that Royal Rumble coming up. And the fact that we're talking about all these different possibilities is still a positive from their point of view. You know, there's a very negative way this can go for me as a Cody fan and just generally for uh, for logic and sense. Um, and, you know, there's a... But maybe I should trust they'll handle it. Maybe I should trust that putting these seeds of doubt in the air for a positive reason, because, like, the intrigue now of which way it was when was the last time we analyzed or what match are they going to do as a main event for wrestlemania who's going to win the royal rumble which day is each of these big matches going to be on and there's fucking four or five different options like that says something that's that's an absolute positive you've got to give them that as much as we did it the yeah. on the on the year end show yeah
0: yeah exactly um We've got a couple of, uh, well, I mean, there's a story I want to go into at the end in probably a bit more detail, but very, very briefly, um, partly because I don't think either of us will have seen this match. We would have seen clips from it today. And that was Kota Ibushi. He was hospitalized apparently after his match with Naomi Marafuji at the Noah New Year show, um, which inexplicably main evented there. Um, it was reported by Spo- Sports Hochi that he was hospitalised, um, that apparently he injured both his ankles during the match, which is almost quite impressive in many ways. I don't know how exactly he did that. And a lot of the, um, like, the, the you know, he, he couldn't walk back to the back by himself, and he was taken to hospital via ambulance in Tokyo, which also, to give a shout out for all of the various things, you, know, you know, Tokyo at the minute, lot going on there as well in terms of like kind of like real proper news um with the earthquakes the aftershocks the the plane collision that happened today as well um but yeah it, he was complaining about severe pain he had to be um he had to be taken there by ambulance there as well we saw various clips from it that was out today um which he wasn't able to complete any kind of moves you wanted them to call an audible it was a 35minute Match as well for someone who hasn't shown in any way that his body can cope with professional wrestling at a high level no. at the moment. I mean, he's yeah. come back from a two-year absence, and he's and he's st- he's not got it.
1: No, and this is it. Like people, have, you know, woke up this morning to people trying to be like, "Oh well, you know, he's a, you know, you, you can't, you gotta, you know, you gotta also say that he's a, you know, he, he may, might have broken both ankles," and it's like, no, that's not that's a symptom of the overall problem, which is this man is cooked. Like, he's done, physically done, and it's sad, mentally probably done too, and it's really sad to see. And I think people Mm have been in denial in general about those AEW appearances and tried to see positives through the endless botches and how clearly he was a step behind Kenny Omega and a step behind everybody in each of the matches he did. And this was all of those chickens coming home to roost. Like, those clips are just sad to watch, you know, if you're... If anyone hasn't seen the match, like, it is literally 10 more. It's like 10, it's 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 exactly what was happening, you know, when him and Kenny got Boko to the corner to do the springboard moonsault and he's that step or two behind and he struggles to get up to the ropes. He did that, like, three different times in this match, as well as, like, 10 other botches when he was out of position and awkward. It is just sad. And I think, yeah, the denial needs to end. And mm. God bless him again for, you know, he got his money from Tony Khan. What you know, Tony Khan's medical team is you know like you know some of my medical teams when I used to play football manager. I just ignore it um, and sign the player regardless. Like that seems to be like the level of uh of, of care. talk about the safest company in the world that they signed this bloke under a contract. He's like, it feels like in a modern way we're like a latter day Dynamite Kid. Feels like Dynamite Kid in the nineties trying to continue to wrestle. Like he's done. Like he's just physically done. He needs to take another two years off. Maybe one day he can come back at some point. But like. Everything about him, his physical appearance, his performances, all of it just tells you that this isn't the same Kota Ibushi it was a couple of years ago, and that is extremely sad, and there's part of me that's even slightly glad that he got, you know, this deal with AEW, and at least he's going to get, you know, a decent paycheck, but he needs to sit that paycheck, sit that contract out, take the steady paycheck, and just heal himself, because like, yeah, there's no good that comes from putting him in a wrestling ring at this point, and... This needs to be you know, a warning sign for the multiple companies who approve this and allow this to happen and take place as a, as a main event on an Noah show.
0: I'm going to try and watch the match. The completest in me demands that is the case. I'm ho- There's another Japanese match that I'll probably be talking in a lot more glowing detail from all Japan instead. But yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough watch for that just based on the mere snippets that I saw as well. And um, yeah, which takes us... On to our last story on here, which is um, very much a, a horrible story. Um, you're not going to find any levels of speculation from us. We're going to make that clear in, in the first case. But um, Curtis Chapman, uh, a.k.a. Mad Kurt, um, passed away at the tragically young age of uh, 26. This was on um, December 29th, so just before New Year's. Obviously, um, this was uh, relayed to us by Revolution Pro Wrestling on there. They had issued a, a statement there as well. Uh, and you, I think from the St. neats show, the season's beatings show that they ran, they, they had a tribute match in the main event. Loads of the um, wrestlers who have worked with him, even Eddie Kingston, at World's End, gave out sort of several shout outs. And there was a lot of like kind of shout-outs to Curtis Chapman throughout that show as as well on there. I mean, he started wrestling with Rev Pro in 2014, had been in kind of like a variety of independent promotions as well, had taken on board um a quite sort of prescient character in Mad Kurt and the keyboard warrior aspect and you know there are moments that he's produced from a social media trolling perspective that are fantastic and phenomenal and it's incredibly tragic and I think you know our condolences go out to family and friends because it's 26 absolutely no age whatsoever for this and someone who we saw wrestle lots of times and had always made an impression on us
1: yep Definitely. And like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm in Belfast and Steph's mum's and, you know, Steph's around here somewhere and she's, you know, massively cut up about this. I've been known, you know, Kate personally, you know, way more than, you know, we would ever even claim to, you know, we, we watched them on, on a screen and we watched them at live shows. And, you know, she knew the man personally and everybody who knew the man personally, you are seeing nothing but like glowing, yeah. you know, tributes like it is just. feels like it's collectively broken the hearts of people like it's awful it's absolutely awful Um, and you know again 26 is is no age whatsoever and you know we feel like it was only a couple of months ago we were kind of asking the question you know where's where's curtis chapman you know what's what's he up to you know at this point and you know it it was only a couple of years ago that he was you know he was absolutely everywhere and you know he as well as clearly being, you know, a, a great person, a great person to have around in the locker room and just, you know, somebody who, you know, personally, everybody who's commented on him, you know, had amazing things to say. Like, he was a highlight of the shows, you know, when we yeah. see them. We we're just talking from a fan point of view. Like, we, we'd have, a, how many how many weeks would we be on Spotlight, especially when we were covering Britwrest a lot more heavily, having a go at meme wrestling? He was always the exception. It was always, like, the meme wrestlers suck. But my guess, there's something there because he was so fucking good. He was so good at pulling that character off. He was so good, at, you know, before his time, you know, blending the the Twitter stuff with, you know, his, his show stuff. Like he talked himself into matches with people like Eddie Kingston and people like Minoru Suzuki, like that one, like, you know, and he was perfect for that, you know, that was, you know, and you know Minoru Suzuki will well, have lapped that up just as a, you know, this, this keyboard warrior is winding me up. I'm just going to go in there and kill him in a few seconds. He was ideal for a role like that. And, you know, it was lovely. Again, we're not talking World's End so much today, but it was lovely to see on World's End. Like, that is one massive positive, i say, about AEW, to see the amount of tribute that was on World's End to him, like, both on the commentary and different points during the show, specifically Eddie Kingston himself, you know, calling out Magkirk um, at the end um, when he won the tournament. Like, it was just... It showed the outpouring all over there, and it was a you know again, you're not getting that in WWE shows either. It showed a you know massive positive for the type of company AEW is, but it just shows that like, yeah, that's the effect somebody like that can have because a lot of people he's worked are names like this, so you do have like that fond memory of them. But it's for fucking, it's hard to get away from the tragedy of it. It's hard to talk, yeah. you know, the positives. It's I think that that's the one thing though that is giving people solace. I think because I've seen a lot of that from people who who, who knew him. On Twitter, being like, he would, you know, one, as when, you know, when there's any death, it's always like, oh, you almost wish the person could see the outpouring of love that's out there for them. And that's heartbreaking in its own right. But, you know, I have seen a lot of comments of people going, they're almost expecting him to, you know, do a tweet like, ha, got ya," Cause that would be the type of thing he would do. Um, because he was, you know, so funny and was so, you know, great at pulling you know the wool over people's eyes and such. That's almost, it you know, speaks to you know how great he was and all that stuff. It's like it feels daft to be saying you know when someone who was 26 has died, which is the most important thing. here. and God, you know, God help his family and and everybody who knew him. You know the, the severity of it is there, but people have been taking solace, haven't they, and bringing up like you know his old promos and his old matches and his old tweets, like you know the stuff where he's like winding up. Austin Aries, you know, uh, that that, Brilliant. that famous line when uh, you can control your narrative, trying to book him. He <laughs> like was, yeah, was in the DMs of EC3, and EC3 was taking him seriously, like, oh, you're available, WrestleMania weekend? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm already in town. Uh, EC3 is all right, cool, cool, the show's on this that so, like, The line from Mad Care, something along the lines of, cool, um, my booking fee is Austin Aries to get vaccinated, which is fucking a top-five <laughs> hilarious statement in its own right. The fact <laughs> that the follow-up is is just you can no longer send direct messages to this person and he's been immediately blocked by C3. He was a fucking menace. He did that to be, he was you know there's a great post on our on our Discord um, yeah. that that shares how fearless he was in real life when it comes to much more serious issues than this. But he was fearless in like getting that character over and you know rubbing certain veterans the wrong way um to get it to get it going and you know being that you know we all remember the not the way comments and we all remember how we rubbed the uh a lot of the uh WBUK guys in uh, the wrong way and we all remember uh, like that line that he'd walk where he'd be doing that and then he'd have to share a locker room with the, some of these wrestlers. I've seen some of the wrestlers be like, fuck, I thought we had real heat, and then we got in a locker room and he was just this lovely, you know, lad who's just Curtis Chapman who's like, ha, got ya. Um, like he was so good at that, it was like a, you know, he, he saw maybe it, there came a point where it was time to to be fresh things and change things up, and you know that that character kind of had a little bit of a shelf life, but like in its in its pomp, it was so good, and there was so much more. Somebody who's that creative and that bright and has that aptitude for wrestling could have done.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's absolute tragedy, and, and uh, I always say this line
1: out. Oh, sorry, were you were you there when? Um, he had the, the when the he had the big title win, the big cruiserweight title win, yeah. when they didn't tell him that it was cause that was pre the market stuff wasn't it that was when he was yeah. just a, like a, you know a generic just been a contender now he's a baby facing trunks kind of moment that's the other big one I've seen people share aside from all the the comedy stuff that is is giving some some relief and you would like to hope you know he'd be smiling knowing that people are uh, bringing up a lot of that stuff that's the other big memory people bring up i saw that yeah. you know that picture of him in the ring with the title if people don't know the story basically he's in a multi-man cruiserweight title match and he was winning the belt and he's very a young baby face at this point and nobody told him he was going over so he's small packages david Starr, and the referee counts three and you get that moment where on his face his face drops like oh fuck i've fucked up i wasn't supposed to win here and then it's ryan smile of all people who crawls over to him and hugs him and tells him no that was legit you're the champion now and that real emotion that comes over his face, and obviously that image itself of seeing you know them too. I think it's with El Fantasmo in the ring, um, and you know obviously Brian Smile no longer with us either is like a real hard one to look at now. But like that's the other big memory I've seen a lot of people share. Um, mm. I think you and Joe, so you and Joe were at that. Yeah, part, you?
0: we we were at that. I remember being in the cockpit for a lot of the build up to that. As well, because it was like the first time that ELP had kind of really shown something as well, and we'd enjoyed Curtis Chapman when he was part of. You know, he'd be squashed by like you know London riots and and the like, and he would just be absolutely taking these horrific kickings, which he was. His body shape was perfectly designed to do. And yeah, it is, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I say, say it and I never mean to be kind of glib and I'm certainly not being glib when I say it, but dude, rest in peace, sweet Prince. Cause he is, he will be sorely, sorely missed. Yeah. And that, that bring, brings us to the end of, uh, of the New Year's New Show, as I'll be uh, titling this when I when I put it up on the Patreon in a in in a second for this. Uh, we're not doing the Wrestle Kingdom preview. We'll be speaking about that on uh, on Thursday. And it, my oh, God, shit. what a
1: three great yeah. this interview! He'll tell you what he thinks of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Sanada's not got it. it. Is basically what he no. says. <laughs> he basically, uh, but, he's uh, not wrong. Well, yeah, obviously we'll yeah we'll be talking Wrestle Kingdom on uh, on the special Thursday uh, spotlight as well as. Uh, Oh, further thoughts on it uh, on worlds end and, uh, and dynamite and uh, and a few other shows and such as well but yeah I wanted to squeeze this in just to uh like I say it's just we need with so much has happened over the next week and I imagine more is going to happen over the uh, the next couple of days but oh. yeah may tend to uh, to get this in so hopefully we' will have uh, enjoyed our uh, our quick thoughts on it uh, on some of the, uh, the stuff uh, going down over the last while'll we'll, yeah we'll see what breaks over the next couple of days you know obviously the the Jericho stuff we talked at the top of the show is still breaking and you know whether it leads to anything hopefully you know the, the nick houseman somewhat climbed down doesn't lead to this disappearing from our from our uh our news headlines and such i think you know awtd and Tigger along with themselves and hopefully we'll we'll get some more news on that and uh, before uh spotlight but yeah i'm sure we can uh we can talk that more on, in detail on there's the up the not on dynamite um, and yeah um but we'll see
0: yeah and if you're looking for other continent, because obviously we're hitting a new month as well. We'll have the schedule up on, on Thursday uh, in the meantime, but we have this weekend. We're going to be doing uh, another five to one, um, <laughs> provisionally titled biggest. Am I allowed to go into it? I think you're good.
1: Uh, of- <laughs> Let's wait. Let's wait. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's probably the, the one we're considering there at the minute is uh, biggest lockdowns, um, which is the, a nice tie-in to the... Uh, so what we've uh, what we're going to be discussing when it comes to world's end and the uh, the reveal of the devil. Um, yep. So yeah, we'll be trying to do that. But yeah, the full the full uh, full schedule for uh, for everything that's going to be coming up for patrons. Is, uh, is going to be uh, up this week as well. So uh, so look forward to that. It's going to be a busy month as always. Oh. Um, all kinds of shows.
0: And if you haven't listened to it already, the other stuff that we had on at the end of December, we've got episode two of Retro, which is now out free for everyone to be able to listen to and watch on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at grapple. Um, we've got the grappies and the crappies, if you haven't heard that, as well as the Ask Grapple Christmas Spectacular, uh, as well, which is, uh, you yeah, know. All yeah, six it like, hours of it didn't feel like six hours, mate. It was fucking brilliant. I loved recording no, I was Yeah,
1: I, f- uh, it great to get the feedback, a lot of people say, and it kind of keeps it keeps its uh, momentum going for a full six hours, unlike a Tony Khan uh, awb movies baby these days. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, work through that again if you haven't. And if you if you did this it, you might get a nice surprise uh, an hour in for a uh, for long time. So, yeah. uh, was it Ask Grapple or was it Ask Rev Joe? You might find out if you uh, Hey,
0: know, uh, old school that is, which all I've got to say then in the meantime is valete latin dead language that i inexplicably did a gcse in and i do wonder why how many years 30 years later why i did that gcse because it didn't help in any way shape or form bye-bye
1: Good night,